Good morning. I want to remind you again, we have a prayer bowl and we have a trumpet bowl. The prayer bowls are for your prayers either on these cards in the back of the chair or there's these blue ones also that are up here. If you let us know your prayer needs, we will be praying for them immediately and then as the, as the year plays itself out. And then there are these green ones up here that are the, the trumpet the praise ones, how God's answered prayers. And, that, and they've been very, very encouraging to hear that. We, don't have a, uh, we haven't had a way to do that. Now we're doing it, and it's pretty cool. Also, before we have you stand, tomorrow night we're having our monthly gathering to pray for souls. So if you would come and join us, it's once a month, and we just seek the Lord on behalf of those that we know that are not saved, that we need them to come to Christ, and we're going to intercede tomorrow. So please come out. It's one hour from 6.30 to 7.30 in the fellowship hall, and we'll be praying for souls, okay? So would you stand? We're in Mark chapter 6, continuing our study through the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, the good news of, 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 uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. So this morning, we're doing verses 45 through 56, and I am going to read, just read that through for us. So if you join me, I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. In verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when he saw them, when, when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Whenever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. So, Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that your word is true, that it's alive and powerful, and that, Lord, it's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. In it, Lord, you have given to us very, very clearly the design, commandments, the ways by which we can, have a, we can live life and that even more abundantly, and we understand our need for you. We're thankful for the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ this morning as believers. We pray for anyone who's here and listening to your word. Speak to them. Draw them to yourself by your Holy Spirit that they may be saved as well. So please help me to communicate the things that are in your heart for your people from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So as with the, many of the other stories we're getting in Mark, we find this same narrative in Matthew 14 and John 6 with some other details which we'll take in as we go. Lloyd Ogilvie, in his commentary on Mark, said this, quote, this is another of those Markan passages that are understood better when read backwards. I'd say the Bible is better. Uh, when we see what happened at the end, we can realize what Jesus was trying to do at the beginning, unquote. 
And so as I was studying and thinking, I thought, you know, we know these things. Most of us here know these things. There's nothing new that you're going to hear this morning. Maybe you know the story. Maybe you've read it many times. But it seems like maybe it's time to move the, be- the end to the beginning of our faith. That we've read these things. We know them. The title I gave it is the gospel understanding for the hard heart. And a hard heart is simply the heart that's not putting two and two together. It's not, under, not gaining in, their, in our relationship with God because of our hearts. And heart, the heart is always the problem. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life, which is our mind, our emotions, our choices. So immediately, verse 45, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitudes away. So they had just seen this miracle, the power of Jesus again. And it seems that Jesus became aware of a problem. Immediately, he made his disciples. That was a command, not a request. And it implies in it an unexpected urgency, which we may find is what John's referring to in John chapter 6. Same story. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, feeding the 5,000, said, this truly is the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived about that, they were, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So he immediately made his disciples get into the boat for their own protection, their own safety from the crowds. You see, Jesus can deal with the crowds, but the disciples at this point are exhausted, and Jesus is basically putting them in this boat to get them out of there. Verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. We could spend hours talking about this verse. Jesus sent them, it says there, when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray alone. He found strength in prayer. An exhausting day extends into, it goes into an extended time of prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, here it is, will reward you openly. You go alone quietly in that secret place of the Most High, and God will begin to reward you in your relationship with Him, in my relationship with Him. There is much strength in prayer if we avail it of ourselves. Someone said you can always humble a man by asking about his prayer life. We understand how important that is. It's been said a man is never less alone than when he, when alone, when, than he is when he's alone with God. What better place to spend time? In Genesis chapter 32, it says, then Jacob was left alone. There are a lot of uh, characters in the Bible that were left alone with God. And it always came out as a, a rewarding experience. Maybe not the most, not the easiest, but rewarding. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him, and God blessed him. He broke him and blessed him. Joseph was left alone with God, and he learned about the goodness of God. Moses was left alone with God, and there he saw the glory of God. Elijah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel were left alone with God to hear the voice of God. And a lot of times that's so important. 
One of the greatest encouragements to pray is that Jesus prayed. It was essential for Jesus. How much more essential is it for you and for me? That we spend time alone in prayer with God. Jesus didn't sleep in. In fact, in Mark earlier we read, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight... He went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. I like to come in really early because I like it when the world's quiet. Mainly because I can't stand traffic. <laughs> Roads are wide open. I can come in when I come in early. You come in at 6 o'clock, it's too late. We cannot afford the price that we pay for a prayerless discipline. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a parable. He said, men are always to pray and not to lose heart. What that says is if I'm not praying, I will lose heart. My heart needs to be praying. My heart needs to be softened in the solitary place with God. You know this song. I thought maybe you could sing it with me. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace I often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain I bear. All because I do not carry everything to God in prayer. Two more. We had a good key, good key. Have I trials or temptation? Is there trouble anywhere? I should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can I find a friend so faithful who will all my sorrows bear? Jesus knows my every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Now personalize it. Am I weak and heavy laden? Come. Bird with a load of care. Precious Savior, still my refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do my friends despise, forsake me. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms He'll take and shield me. Thou will find a solace there. I will find a solace there. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just bow our hearts before you. Asking you, Lord, to help us. To take time, make time. To be with you alone. With your word. To have fellowship with you in that secret place of the Most High. Please, Lord, help us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 47, now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. It appears that Jesus had come down out of the mountain, and he's standing and watching over the sea. 
It was in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, probably one or two, although John tells us in John chapter 6, the sea arose because of a great wind was blowing, so when they had rowed about three or four miles. So they're out in the middle of the sea. This is probably during Passover time, full moon, so they could see off the, off this, off the uh, water. Here they were out there. And then he saw them straining at rowing. That word actually means tormented. They are not wanting to be there. <laughs> he saw them straining at rowing. They're, they're tormented. This is, and, and it says, for the wind was against them. So there they are rowing their brains out and they're not getting anywhere. Now, I want you to note something here that I'll pick up again in a little bit. The reason they were straining at rowing, they were tormented. The reason they were in this situation is because they did what Jesus told them to do. They were obeying Jesus. And that's what put them in this situation. They are right where Jesus, they were supposed to be in going across. So verse 48 again, now about the fourth watch of the night, which would be 3 to 6 a.m. So it's far past midnight. It's late. They saw, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. He came to them walking on the sea. In the Greek language, the original, he walked on the sea as he would walk on the pavement. That'd be so fun. Peter got a little glimpse of what that was like. His feet actually made contact with the water. His hair blew in the wind. His clothes clung to his body. But he was unhindered. He's, I think he's loving it. He would have passed them by or about to pass them by. So what is that about? Is Jesus playing games with them? No, I think Jesus is all smiles. <laughs> He's coming up to them. It's, so it's not the intention of Jesus, but more the impression of an eyewitness. It would seem like he's just going to pass them by. But this could also be just as accurately translated. He wanted to come to their side. He wanted to come to their side. So it doesn't mean he's going to bypass them or try and sneak beyond the get past them, he intended to pass beside them. In a sense, it's like the Old Testament theophanies. To reassure them. The Lord passed before Moses, and Moses said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Moses, you're not going to be able to see me. I mean, you're going to see my, oh, my afterglow. You're going to see my back, back, the back. You can't see me and live. But what does he say to him? He says, I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to have compassion. The Lord passed by Elijah when he's running for his life from Jezebel. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Love this. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And you know what the still, small voice says? Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> you could link that. Elijah, what are you doing? And what are you doing? What are you doing here? Because he's running for his life. And God is meeting him there. This still small voice. Not all the power. Just a still small voice. Say, 
Elijah, what are you doing here? And he's working on, our, on Elijah's heart, just as he does for us. He's making himself known in this context here to the apostles. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, verse 50, and they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately, again, that immediately is used often by Mark, immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. Do you know that phrase is used eight times in the New Testament? Seven in the Gospels, every one of them has at least one time, and then one time in the book of Acts. Be of good cheer, every time from Jesus. Be of good cheer. When there's a need to cheer them up. It is I, do not be afraid. I picture him, he's smiling, going, it's me. As they're in this boat going, ayah. So it's a miracle after a miracle after a miracle. And here's another one right before them. Jesus feeding 10 to 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Jesus walking on the water as though he's walking on pavement. Jesus calming the storm. And then in John chapter 6, verse 21, it says, the, boat, the boat's instantaneous arrival at port. John 6, 21. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. How does that work? I don't know, but I got an idea from Star Trek. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> And now there's another one that Jesus is going to pack into this list of miracle after miracle after miracle. Matthew tells us, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, if they think it's a ghost and Peter's talking to him, (laughs) anyway, he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this is incredible. Now, some people get all over Peter because he, you know, got his eyes off Jesus. Hey, did you ever walk on water? He walked on water. But then it says, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And here it is again. And immediately... Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, we're looking at this whole idea of the hardness of heart. Understanding for a hard heart. Here's the same thing. You You are the Son of God. But this didn't last long as they're discerning these things. So it says in Mark again, back in Mark verse 51, then he went up into the boat, he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Now notice, for they had not understood. It's not that they wouldn't have, you know, been amazed, measured, marveled, but something is missing here in their marveling. And Mark points us out, they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. There was something that wasn't quite getting through in their hearts. Yes, they're, they're amazed, they're marveled, they're measured, and this is incredible. But God has something more 
for their hearts in knowing who Jesus is. May I say to you, that is an ongoing work of the Lord in our hearts. Deepening our understanding, our marveling, and how we marvel, and how we measure, and how we're amazed at who Jesus is. It changes, it goes deeper. The miracle had not left any lasting impression. And note this, these are the apostles. These are the disciples. Not being able to put the two and two together as Jesus will have for them. It remained beyond their reasoning. But listen, and I love this. Jesus is chipping away at their hardness of heart. And he does the same for us. He just sort of brings one thing and another thing. He he starts adding up the list, if you will, miracles, the things he's doing in our lives, so that we can put them together in a way that takes us deeper with him. Where we're amazed and we're marveling, and yet it's different. It's different. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. We talk about an exciting voyage. They just had one. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. Ran through the whole surrounding region, began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they they heard he was. Whenever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. The hem of his garment, a loyal Jew would have on his outer cloak these blue tassels. In Numbers, it tells about The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. Now the blue would be be symbolic of heaven. And And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. More, more, it goes on, but these tassels were what they were talking about. The hem of his garment. Now, there's, a, there's this uh, a Bible study called the hem of the garment. It's to help women understand that genuine hope and healing can only be found in Jesus. Pat Shepard, Healing Hearts, that Bible study helped many, many, many women understand that genuine hope and healing can only be found in Jesus. It's not just them. It's all of us. All of us. And that point of contact, the hem of his garment, that point of contact is heaven. In all of its glory, wanting to come down, if you you will, in just a human garment to heal our lives, to put them back straight, to take this hard heart and make it into a, a heart of flesh and give it a depth that is the healing that God has for us. Fantastic. Mark, in his quick-paced narrative, has included the, these short summaries all along the way. This is one of them, these last 54 through 56. The gospel, understanding the heart for the hard heart. Just a couple applications. But first, pray. Pray. We already we sang and prayed. This understanding for the hard heart comes through prayer. Pray. Not putting it together. Wanting to go deeper with God. Pray. 
When we pray, God is pleased. He begs us, in a sense, to come and pray and ask Him and just put together those sentences of the heart's desire in the matters that we are in. But here's three things from this. Understand that where you are going to matters to Jesus. It matters to Him. That is the softening of the heart. That's Jesus penetrating into our lives. He, understand that where you are going to matters to Jesus. He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And when he sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Understand that where you are going to matters to Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of what is really true now of where Jesus is. He's in heaven as our great high priest. He's praying, if you will, from heaven. And he's doing that right now as we're in this place. We went through the book of Hebrews. That's what stuck out to me just about every study, that we have this high priest. We're good at, at sort of acknowledging and recognizing the cross and what Jesus did and accomplished. But how much more to be elevated into that place of Hebrews where it says, do not cast off your confidence. Keep your assurance because we have a forever and great high priest who is in heaven. And what's he doing? He's making intercession for us. He's interceding. He's praying, if you will. Jesus became a man to reveal the heart of God. Jesus died on the cross to redeem us to God by his blood applied. Jesus rose again to reconcile us through the gospel believed. And now, and he came to unequivocally declare that God is for us, not against us. He cares about where we're going. And he cares enough to send Jesus to die for us pardon our sins, give us a relationship with Him. And now His Son, Jesus, is exalted at the right hand of God as our great, glorious high priest to guide and direct our steps. He came to declare that God is with us, is for us, not against us. You know, the world will tell us God's against us. It's, 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 it's not a good deal. Our flesh will tell us God's condemning us. The devil will tell us, no, you're already condemned. You might as well give up. How many times are you going to come to God with that problem again and again? You're, God's tired of hearing from you. Why don't you just give up and die? And I think, oh, I'm going to give up. See, the devil wants to condemn us and drive us. But Jesus came to declare to us that God is for us, not against us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans again, chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than having been justified, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Wow. Saved, we are not appointed to wrath. God is for us, not against us. God has declared us justified and righteous, not condemned us at all through Christ. 
For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. It's now, it's now, it's now done. Romans chapter 8, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? My favorite chapter in all the Bible. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not, listen, with him, freely give us all things? It's fantastic. <laughs> Where you are going matters to Jesus. It matters so much that he came to die on a cross to reconcile us to God, to promise us an eternal inheritance in, through him. And I'm getting excited. It's incredible. But listen, the whole thing is, they got in that boat under the, in obedience to Jesus. And it brought them into these things. They're rowing, they're tormented. They go, I don't want to be here. What's going on? We're doing this and getting nowhere. You ever feel that way? But the first thing to understand is that God cares for you. God is directing your life. Trust the Lord with all your heart and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He is faithful. Now, Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. So though God is for us, we can be against him in not receiving Christ as Savior and not being justified by faith through the gospel. We are against God. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. To put it another way, he said, he who is not against us is on our side. And by the way, there are two sides. So the first question to answer is, are you with him? Have you made your confession through the gospel? He ascended to, to heaven to be your great high priest. To seal the new covenant. The mediator of the new covenant. And listen, he's coming again and those sides will be very clear. So have you made your reservation in heaven? Have you received Jesus as Savior and Lord? You see, understand and believe, and in believing, you will understand. Understand and believe the gospel, and in believing the gospel, you will understand who God is. So under, understand that where you are going matters to Jesus, but secondly, understand that what you are going through matters to Jesus. It matters to him. He's not there sort of, well, get over it. He gave to us his Holy Spirit as the seal of our inheritance. And through the life of the Holy Spirit, God cares and directs and will help us no matter what's going on, no matter what we're going through. Do you believe that? I will say this to you. Every one of us will be tested because God loves us too much to leave us as we are. When evening comes, there's straining and rowing. Tormented. When I read my Bible as a born again, enlightened child of God, the Word of God is living and powerful that every time I open it up and read it, God speaks. 
When I hear it and God's speaking, when I put the CD in my car and there I'm listening to the Bible, God speaks to me as a child of God. And as I read that and listen to that and hear that, trials and tribulations are a very important part of God's miraculous work in my life and in your life. You see, we live in a world that's against God. We have a fleshly nature that's against God. We have a satanic, his name is Satan and all his cronies, who is against God. And so when I scan my Bible, and I see these things, I read them as a child of God. I can take heart that when I'm straining, when I'm, torn, when I'm doing this and feel like I'm getting nowhere, God has put me there for the purpose of a deeper walk with Him. He's allowed it. He's directed it. So I read my Bible. I think of Jacob, Genesis, who went through really very difficult things. His son Joseph, as far as he knew, was dead. Had been eaten by a wild, ravenous wolf or something. And then all these things are happening to him. And it gets to the point where he's just, he, he breaks. Because his son says, we need to take Benjamin down to see this guy in Egypt, which happens to be Joseph. He doesn't know that. Because we're not going to give us any food unless we have Benjamin. He says, I'm not, Benjamin, Benjamin, I can't give up Ben. No way. And then they're running out of food, running out of food. So again, Simeon says, we got to take Benjamin. He's not going to give us any food. So then he, he's, he's at his, he's broke. He broke. You know what he said? All these things are against me. He looks back and scans the history of what's happened in his life. Even at the end, he said, God, you know, I, I, I had nothing but a torturous life. All these things are against me. <laughs> I love this story because right around the corner for Jacob, he's going to be hearing that Joseph is alive whom he thought dead. He's been found who he thought was lost. And he, it's sort of like it, it stopped his heart a moment. But he's saying all these things are going And then he gets down to Egypt and we have the story of Joseph who was sold by his brothers out of hatred, taken down to Egypt, and yet God was with him says that about Joseph. God was with him. He was with him with Potiphar. He's with him with all the things. And yet, with God with him, and yet he's in prison. He's going through all these things. And so different from Jacob, when Joseph and his brothers came, and he tested them. You're spies. No, we're not spies. You're spies. And so they go back to their dad, bring back Benjamin. When Benjamin comes, I mean, it's just a, it's a mind-blowing story about the grace and goodness of God. And they're his brothers, and he could have really made it tough on them. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He said, I'm Joseph. It's like in our hearts, I'm Jesus. Dead, alive. And he said to them, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Wow. To scan your life, to me to scan my and realize all those things God, that I was going through 
God was there with me. They mattered to God because I matter to God. They matter to God because you matter to God. Whatever you're going through. And so you read these things in Job. Now Job is another example as we just scan through the Bible. Look, I, he says this. He, and Job went through, you, you know the story of Job. He says, look, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. That's Job. And I look at my heart. Say, Lord, soften my heart. That what I'm going through matters in my relationship with you. In Matthew, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Really? Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. John, Jesus, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Rowing, torturously. In Acts chapter 5, they call the apostles, they beat them for preaching Jesus. And, and so they departed from the presence of the council after they got beaten, they depart. And they say this, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I said, Lord, you've got to take me deeper. Romans chapter 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith in his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Eh, eh. That's what my heart does. Eh, eh. Glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces character, perseverance and perseverance character. And I've said before, I think you ought to remove that perseverance thing out of there. <laughs> tribulation produces character. Eh, eh. No, no. Per tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. You see, he is working through the things that you're going through. He cares. Second Corinthians, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And the older you get, the more that becomes reality. The outward man is perishing. But the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The light affliction, the weight of glory. Rowing. Straining. Paul said, therefore, most gladly, I will rejoice in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Do you rejoice in your infirmities, your weaknesses? He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress. He said, I take pleasure in these things. Well, you got to help me. In distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Ephesians, finally, my brother, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
but against principalities, against powers, against rule. We are in a spiritual battle. But Jesus with us. James says, count it all joy when you fall into various rowings, torments. Feel like you're getting nowhere. Worn out. Rejoice when you fall into various, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be complete, lacking nothing. That's what I want. Understanding for the hard heart. Peter picks up on the same thing. Do not think it strange to the fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> I'm really good at that. This is strange. No, no, my Bible says it's not strange. In fact, it tells don't think it's strange. It's a part of having a relationship with God in a fallen world with a fallen nature and a fallen demonic being called Satan. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are approached by the, for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's, that's it. And finally, in 1 Peter, chapter 1. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if in need be, you've been grieved by various trials, rowing, torment, getting nowhere, or so it seems. No. Understand that what you are going through matters to Jesus. Matters to Him. And all this adds up to my final thought, which I'm going to leave it just as that. Understand that who you know Jesus to be matters in everything. Everything. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. And that's, what, that's what's going on here. He's taking, seeking it. Then, but understand who he is in a deeper way. So I'll, I'll close the same quote we started. If I could have the worship team come up. He says, this is another of those Markan passages that are understood better when read backwards. When we see what happened at the end, we can realize what Jesus was trying to do at the beginning. And I say, we know these things. We've heard them many times. We need to pray and ask God to move them from the end to a beginning point. And that just means we understand these things. That where I'm going matters to Jesus. That what I'm going through matters to Jesus. And that who I know Jesus to be matters in everything. Stan, let's, work, let's close in this song and then I'll pray.